Of all the Kings teams, mediocre rosters, and bad basketball that we have watched over the last decade and a half here in Sacramento, this Sacramento Kings team might be the most frustrating and hard to watch out of them all. Kings embarrassed again, this time by the Toronto Raptors. They are coming back to a stormy Sacramento with their tail between their legs. Interim head coach Alvin Gentry tried to take ownership after the game for the Kings' pathetic performance, but I'm not going to let him get away with that. I'll explain more. Plus, apparently, the Boston Celtics are considering moving on from their Jason Tatum-Jalen Brown pairing. Monty McNair needs to be aggressively pursuing one of those guys in particular, in my opinion. Plus, according to Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee, the Kings apparently are not interested in pursuing DeMontis Sabonis and or Miles Turner. Lots to talk about. Let's get to it right here on the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com, use promo code NBA, or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering Kings basketball, formerly for Sacramento Sports Talk Radio, now with ABC 10 Television here in Sactown. And I feel the same way that I felt after the Cleveland Cavaliers loss. I don't want to waste my time really talking about this game. I'm certainly not going to waste my time uh, talking about positive performances uh, from a game like this. Because there were a few. You could look at the box score. You could see Marvin Bagley finishing with a double-double. You could see a halfway decent stat line for De'Aaron Fox. And, I mean, we could try and find silver linings and pull positives out. But what the hell's the point? What's the point? Like, what is the point with this Kings team? That would be putting in more effort uh, to try and talk about how uh, or find the positives with this team than the team puts into their own uh, their own play on the floor. Like, that's the reality of the situation. Uh, questions about effort, even if De'Aaron Fox disagrees, uh, and, and he spoke post-game about the difference between uh, giving effort and playing with effort and, and hustle and intensity and and just being sharp. Um, and, I mean, he can feel that way, that's fine. It, it, but I, I think it's a clear question of effort uh, with this Sacramento Kings group. The fact that they get pushed around on, the nightly, on a nightly basis, that they're unable to overcome uh, when teams just pick up the pressure of physicality just a little bit, falling into the same pitfalls regardless of who they're playing. Uh, it, it's nothing short of a question of effort in my mind with this team. So I'm not going to bother going into stats. I'm not going to bring up a box score and talk about performances from either side in this game. All I'm going to say is that it was embarrassing again for the Kings. Absolutely embarrassing. Status quo, par for the course, exactly what this entire road trip has been, but just completely embarrassing. I mean, the game starts out with a, a Raptors 11-0 run. 
I mean, it, it was it was predictable that the the Kings would get off to a, a slow start, and you would think that most teams, you know, after getting embarrassed not just once but but twice, losing to to Charlotte in a game where you were facing a team missing seven players, seven role players, uh, and then you get your ass kicked by the Cleveland Cavaliers, you would think after two games like that, two bad losses, that you would find a way to rally a little bit of energy, especially with a day off in between, rally some energy, rally some intensity, and 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 come out and just make the uh, the the Raptors a victim by circumstance. You were going to run over whoever was in your path that just so happened to be the Raptors. That's what good teams do, and that's what a lot of teams have done to the Kings. How many teams have come into a game against the Sacramento Kings, uh, regardless of if they're good teams or bad, after being completely embarrassed, and they steamroll the Kings? It's not because that they, they got up for their matchup against Sacramento, it's because they had a chip on their shoulder. They had something to prove. And they played with the hunger, intensity, and drive, and pride to get the job done. You see any of that hunger, intensity, or pride with this King squad? I sure as hell don't. And I'm wearing glasses. I mean, my eyes are bad. These are, are supposed to make my eyes better. I watched that entire game, unfortunately. I actually, at one point, was was puked on by my um, nearly four-month-old son, puked on my chin and puked on my neck during the game itself. And quite honestly, it was my favorite part of the game. Because I, I, at one point, I got to walk uh, or stand up and, and go and, and clean myself off and take a break from watching that. It sounds like a joke. It's not. <laughs> it, it, it really is not. Raptors get off to 11-0 start. Kings get off to a, a horrible start. Then the Kings rattle off a 10-0 run, and suddenly it's 11-10. So you erase that bad start. The problem is, when are the Kings going to use a 10-0 run to, I don't know, build a lead for themselves? The fact that it takes a 10-0 run early to get you back into a game when you're five minutes in or six minutes in, that's sad. Like a 10-0 run should be taking a little bit, going from behind to taking a small lead or being ahead and taking a, a, a comfortable lead. That's what most teams do when they rattle off a 10-0 run. No, the Kings need a 10-0 run so that they can be down by one point after giving up 11 points and failing to score in the first four minutes of the game. Just another indication uh, of, of this Kings team. Truth be told, like I said in the introduction, I think, at least for me personally, and I've watched every, not every single game, but I've followed every team closely over the last 15 years, even when I was young and, and still in grade school and then junior high and high school, when the Kings were really, really, really bad uh, in like the late 2000, like 2007 onward to like 2012, 2013, those really, really bad years. I have followed this team, paid attention to this team every single season during this playoff drought. This team is by far the most frustrating for me. And, and they're, the, they're the hardest team to watch. Like, I can't tell you how many times uh, before I was working uh, in radio and before I was working in television, before I was working in sports, when I would go to the games as a fan, when I would go to the game to have fun uh, and I would go with my friends and uh, I, I was in high school. As soon as I got my license and I was able to drive to Arco Arena, which was then like Power Bounce Pavilion or something, but it was always Arco Arena to us. Um uh, my friends and I, we would go on to like StubHub and get like a $10 ticket for a weeknight game when the Kings were terrible. This was before the relocation era, really. Uh, the relocation saga started. Um, and, and we would go and drive to the game and we'd be excited even if we were going to see the Kings get their ass kicked by the Atlanta Hawks or somebody for no reason by like 30 points. When when Andres Nocioni was on the team or John Salmons was one of the leading scorers of the team or we were excited about Carl Landry and, and Grievous Vasquez here in Sacramento. Like those... Those teams, I was excited to watch because I loved Kings basketball. I loved the environment. I love basketball, period. This year, man, 
I've been to a handful of home games. The vibe is different. The environment is different. I, I've, I've shared that many times. Fans are not coming as, as much as they usually do here in Sacramento, which is very, very eye-opening, very telling, and should be the most concerning for the higher-ups in this organization. Vibe is different at the games. It's hard to sit through an entire game watching on television. I feel bad for G-Man and, and Jason Ross and Henry Turner on the radio call trying to talk their way through games like this for, for two and a half, three hours. This is the most frustrating team and most difficult to watch, difficult follow, to follow team that I've ever dealt with. That I have ever dealt with. And I know I'm not alone in that. If you are a, a Kings fan who says, you know what, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm just done. I, I'm, not, I'm not putting up with it anymore. Unless major changes happen, which I think... I think most people, when they say that, I mean roster changes, but I know some people are also thinking ownership changes, which I hate to break it to you. That's, it's not going to happen. Even if it maybe needs to happen, it's not going to happen. Um, if you're one of those people that says, I'm, I'm done following, I, I may pay attention a little while, turn on the game for a quarter or two, see how they're doing when I'm when I'm at home or, or see the score on my phone or maybe go to a game later on if I get free tickets. If that's you, I don't blame you one bit. I hope you stick with Locked On Kings to maybe get your fill of Kings information, even if you're not watching the game. In fact, if that's if you need to break yourselves off from the Kings completely, with the exception of Locked On Kings, I would certainly appreciate that. But I don't blame fans for being done. Hell, as a, as someone who's paid to watch this team and cover this team, I feel like being done. The amount of times that I've had to get myself in the right mindset, normally using either ca caffeine or alcohol <laughs> to, to, to do a, a podcast like this, like watching that entire game. The last thing I wanted to do was come in here and, and pop a mic and, and start talking about this team again. I don't feel like this team is worth my time and I'm not investing financially in this team. Like season ticket holders are, or just common ticket members are. And even if the ticket plans right now are dirt cheap, people still aren't going because it's not worth it to them. This team is the most frustrating. And I, I think it's a combination of two things. One is my fault, and that's personal expectations. Now, I'm only going to take partial credit for it, though, because, and I pointed this out after the game, because I see a lot of people talking on social media. A lot of you have reached out to me on social media or via email or commented on, on YouTube and said, look, but the, the Kings are still in the hunt for the play-in. I talked about this on my, my last podcast. Kings are still in the hunt uh, for the plan. They're still right there. And the goal was to make the plan. No, it wasn't. The goal was not for the Kings to make the plan. The goal set by Monty McNair and former head coach Luke Walton was for this team to make the playoffs. Now, their most likely path to making the playoffs was through the play-in. And obviously, the play-in presents an opportunity for teams in Sacramento's situation to still have something to play for, still have something to fight for, and give them a glimmer of hope, give them a chance to play their way into the playoffs. But if this team were to maybe get a little bit better, not really get worse, maybe they tread water and somehow they just sneak their way into the play-in as a 10th seed and then they lose to whoever the ninth seed is and their season's over. That's not success. They didn't reach their goal. The goal is to end the playoff streak. Play-in may be considered postseason by technicality. It isn't playoffs. It doesn't end the drought, or at least it shouldn't. There's no way I would accept the Kings making the play-in but missing the playoffs as ending that, that postseasonless streak or that playoffless streak. There's no way I'd accept that. Maybe technicality-wise, the, the NBA would accept that. No chance here on Locked on Kings. I would continue to say that this team failed and it was 16 straight seasons, which is uh, an NBA record. That's, that's how I would present it. The play-in is not the goal. 
the playoffs via the play-in is the goal. And this team doesn't look like they have any business even considering reaching that goal. They're probably going to still try, and maybe that's the wrong move to make. I know Kings fans are interested in the Kings being sellers at the deadline and trying to embrace the tank again. That's you. All right. If you're going to, if you find Kings basketball hard to watch right now, you want to lean into that be my guest, but I don't know. It's, it's tough for this. It's tough to follow a team like this. So I, I take partial responsibility for my own expectations. Um, maybe being too high with this Kings team, trying to preach this team was going to be better defensively when they were for a flash in the pan, but they're obviously not that De'Aaron Fox was going to make that next leap and become that all-star head of the snake team leader and, and MVP of this team. He hasn't, he's not. So I, I, I take partial responsibility for that for sure. The other thing is though, this Kings team is, I think the most talented that they've had, maybe with the exception of, and even then, I, I don't think they're probably pretty even with the the Demarcus Cousins, Rudy Gay, Isaiah Thomas team. Granted, this Kings team is a significantly deeper team than that team was because they had those three guys in, in Fox Gay, or rather uh, Cousins Gay uh, and Thomas, averaging twenty points per game, and then the rest of the team was garbage. Like I think the next best player on that team was like Jason Thompson or Francisco Garcia, who are, are beloved Kings by the way, but we know they were Kings of very, very, very bad teams. Was Tyreek Evans still on that team? I honestly don't remember. I put those years out of mind. But this Kings team is individually super talented. Very talented team. As a group, they're a failure. And I've talked about that enough. If you want to hear me talk about that more, if you missed uh, my most recent Lockdown Kings podcast where I go into detail about that after the loss of the Cavaliers, it was yesterday's podcast. Uh, go back and listen to that if you want to hear me rant on things about that. Coming up next you're going to hear from Sacramento Kings interim head coach, Alvin Gentry, who after opening up his prod podcast or his post game press conference, excuse me, saying that he was embarrassed and really didn't know what to say. He then went on to basically take responsibility onto himself, try and take ownership for not having the team prepared. You will hear what he had to say. You'll hear my question to him about trying to take responsibility and I'll share my thoughts on that and why I will not allow him to take responsibility for this core. And you'll also hear De'Aaron Fox, who was asked at the very end of his press conference about if he cares about winning. And I thought he gave an, an interesting answer. That's coming up in just a second. Plus, we do have to talk about the, the potential of the Kings going out and getting uh, Jalen Brown, who I really like, and the report from Jason Anderson that the Kings are not interested uh, in DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner from the Indiana Pacers. That is all coming in just a little bit. Uh, right now, though, I want to let you know today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast brought to you by DirecTV. Let me know if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. You have another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the other extra bonus stuff. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that ent entertainment that you love together in one place without the hassle. A great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, no need to have a bunch of different subscriptions. The best part, there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required. Content varies by package. It was just, I mean, it was embarrassing. I mean, that's the only phrase that I think you can use is embarrassing. You know, we, 
talked about the way we started the game in Cleveland and how we had to start it, how we had to start the game with the intensity that we stayed played within the third and fourth quarters. Uh, obviously, we didn't do that. You know, we had uh, four turnovers on our first five possessions. Uh, we talked about not turning the ball over. Uh, we talked about getting back on defense. And uh, none of those things really happened. And uh, so it was uh, – and, and I'll take responsibility because I'm supposed to have them pre prepared. It's my job to have them prepared. So uh, some kind of way, uh, we're going to keep plugging away at it. I just know we're not going to quit. I've never quit anything in my life, and, and, I, and I'm not going to let these guys do it either. So uh, we got to find a way to get a group of guys that's going to compete and – and as I said, play at the at a level that that we're capable of playing at. And then if we do that and we lose the game, I can accept it. What I can't accept is what happened tonight in these situations. Hey, Alvin, I appreciate you trying to uh, uh, take responsibility. Um, this is now the third. You're the third coach that this core, for the most part, has had preparation issues uh, with. Um, and, and you just talked about inability to execute defensively with what the game plan was, what you talked about. What more do you feel that you and your coaching staff can do outside of what the players do to get this group prepared? Well, <clears throat> I think as a coach, you know, and I've been in this league a long time, I think the, 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 the worst thing that you can possibly do is say, I've done all I can and, and then blame it on the players. I haven't, I've not done all I can. Uh, I've got to reach a, I've got to, I've got to reach in somewhere and find something that can be changed. That's going to change this team. Uh, I'm not a quitter, as I said, and I don't think we have guys in there that are quitters. We just got to figure out something uh, that's going to work for us. And uh, I'll, I'll try anything that I think is going to possibly work for us. So uh, uh, it's, a, it's a, a terrible situation to be in. Uh, it's very difficult to, to deal with. Uh, it, it makes you not want to any, I mean, you lose sleep over things like this because I don't think we're that kind of basketball team. Uh, but, you know, the results speak for themselves, I guess. But we've got to find a way to change all of that. I, I won't, I won't give up. I, I won't. And I hope they won't give up in that locker room either because we've proven that we can play against good quality teams. Uh, we've beaten some good teams. We won on the road. Uh, so uh, all of a sudden, all of that hadn't changed. So we got to get back and uh, play with the confidence and play with the, 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 you know, the grittiness that we did to, to be able to go to the Lakers and win and, and, uh, the Clippers and win and win in Phoenix and, uh, you know, the, the, and win in Portland, you know, those kind of things right there. Uh, and so we're not, we're not playing like that team that did that. And we've got to get back to figuring out why. And then we got to get back to making that work. That was Sacramento Kings interim head coach, Alvin Gentry trying and admirably trying to take ownership uh, of the Kings uh, failures recently and especially in, in tonight's game. And then you heard my kind of follow-up question to that where essentially I, I, I praised him for trying to do that but pointed out that this Kings team has done this and failed in this way and struggled to be prepared for three different coaches now and really asking what more Gentry can do. I like the answer that he gave. I understand the answer that he gave. Basically saying like as a coach, if I ever just accept that there's nothing more that I can do and that it's the player's fault, then I'm not going to be a head coach anymore. I'm not going to be an NBA head coach. I get that. 
And even like, even if this wasn't a player's league, you rarely saw coaches just come out and throw players under the bus. You just don't do that. You're a team, you're a group. So by asking that question, I wasn't ever expecting, and I'm never expecting Gentry to take the podium and go, this team sucks. I mean, the closest thing that he came to that or could come to that is what he already did, which is basically he said, I care more about the names on the front of the jersey, not the names on the back. And I'm going to play the guys um, who who play hard and not just going to play guys based off of the names on the back. That's him putting pressure and accountability on his team. But he's never going to go farther than that saying this guy sucked or this guy wasn't good enough or the players completely failed to execute the game plan. Us coaching staff, there, there's nothing more we can do. Even though, in my opinion, that's the case. Three straight head coaches that this core has failed. Dave Yeager, Luke Walton, Alvin Gentry. And Alvin's still here, and they've already failed him because they're doing the exact same things. But this team failing to be prepared, getting off to slow starts. It was best under Dave Yeager, and they didn't like the guy. But the guy they liked in Luke Walton, they consistently failed to be ready. And Walton, his response to that was always, hey, we're a team. It's never on one person. It's never on the coaches. It's never on the players. It's on all of us collectively. Also a good approach, the right approach, the correct approach, I guess, from a coach when speaking about that stuff with the media. But there's a common denominator here, and that's this core. This core and their inability to execute a game plan. You also heard Gentry talk about, or you might have heard it. I honestly don't remember if it was uh, part of the quote or not. But Gentry talks about, this was the game plan. We wanted to do this defensively. We're going to do this, do that. And, And they didn't do it. The game plan was not executed at all. And it was a simple game plan. How can that be on the coaches? If the coaches are putting putting together a game plan and it's not being executed, that's on the players. Now, if the coaches were putting together a game plan that was being executed and it was still not working, it was failing, it was the wrong game plan, then it's on the coaches to switch that up. But if the coach comes out with a game plan that's as simple as, hey, just play halfway decent defense and try and get out in transition and the Kings can't do that, it's a failure on the players. So I admire Gentry for, for trying to take the fall, for trying to put the onus upon him, um, but I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to allow it. And you shouldn't either. This is on the players. It's always been on the players. Their inability to execute, their inconsistency, their straight-up lack of pride, they're the ones failing on the floor. And Gentry is just another name on a long list of coaches over the last 15 years that have tried to figure it out and unfortunately, just continued to to come up short. De'Aaron Fox, he was asked about by James Hamm uh, about how much he cares about winning because people have questioned whether or not De'Aaron really cares about winning and Fox uh, spoke openly about it. De'Aaron, you seem very passionate tonight. You care about winning and you care about trying to make it to the playoffs, right? I mean, I hadn't lost since I, and, and, until I got here. So for 18 years of life, 19 years of life, every step that I played basketball, I was winning something. So I don't know how you do that, make it to the NBA. And then now you just don't care about winning. Everybody talks about, you know, if you get paid, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Nobody likes to lose regardless of what level you're on. Um, rather if you're getting paid or if you're, playing for free. Nobody likes to lose. So, you know, I, I think that's a, I think it's a dumb question. Um, obviously, you know, not to you, um, but obviously everybody, everybody wants to win. 
Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast also brought to you by Built Bars. These protein bars are absolutely delicious this holiday season. Grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. That's Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich and decadent with flavor, uh, covered in chocolate, amazingly low, low calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. Stuff your stockings with them. Uh, you might as well, instead of leaving, leaving a, a, a plate of cookies out for Santa, leave a, a plate of like cookie dough Built Bars. The, the, the big man could uh, could use the protein and, and maybe less of that fat. Uh, the season is all about sharing. It's all about fun. It's all about deliciousness. It's all about happiness. That is what Built Bar provides. So make sure you are sharing uh, Built Bars with your loved ones. If you want to uh, uh, try all the amazing flavors that Built Bars have, my favorite is mint brownie, but there are so many good ones. I haven't tried a bad Built Bar flavor yet. You can order a mixed box right now on Built.com. Uh, try out all their different flavors. Then when you have the flavors that you love, uh, you can order those ones specifically from Built.com. So they're sending you cases of what you need and what you look forward to to uh, like my wife and I do every uh, every two to three weeks now. We go through built boxes way, way too fast. Uh, there are a couple new flavors as well uh, for the uh, for the holiday season, so make sure you check those out. Everything available for you on built.com. If you do order, uh, make sure you use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Another day, another game where if you took the over on points... You probably won. Bet Online has you covered for all season long with props, odds, and lines, better coverage or better betting than ever before, not just for the NBA season, but for football season with the playoffs uh, getting closer and closer. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Make sure you head to their updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKED ON, L O C K E D O N, all one word, to receive that bonus from basketball, football, NHL hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. I don't have a whole lot of time here at the end of this uh, this podcast. I'm sure I'll be talking about this more, um, especially after December 15th when contracts become available to trade if the Kings try and get aggressive and make an early move, or certainly as the trade deadline gets closer and closer. Uh, but we we saw a report, or at least I saw a report, um, and I, I retweeted it. You can find it on my Twitter, at Matt George Sack, that the Boston Celtics, who have been a major disappointment in the Easter Conference this year, that they're looking to move on from their pairing of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which just hasn't worked. Now, I'm not in Boston. I don't have too many connections in Boston other than a couple friends that work for the Locked On Network and, and others that are that are around that I've met when they've come here to Sacramento. But I imagine that if the Celtics and Brad Stevens are going to choose between the two, they're going to choose Tatum. And I'm under that assumption, and I'm actually okay with that assumption because Jalen Brown has been one of my favorite NBA, uh, NBA players for a while. You talk about a type of player that this Kings team desperately needs. Jalen Brown checks all of those boxes and then some. You know, in a recent podcast, I talked about uh, players that the Kings need to go out and be aggressive in trying to acquire that will make big scra uh, splashes that will actually make a difference, even if it's going to cost you significant talent. Jalen Brown is right at the top of that list for me. If I'm Monty McNair, I am harassing the Celtics. I'm calling Brad Stevens every two to five minutes saying, hey, Jalen Brown, we want him. What do you think of this offer? And I'll be honest with you. 
I would trade De'Aaron Fox for Jalen Brown. I don't know if that trade works straight up. I have no idea. I've never pl- I haven't really played with a trade machine or anything to see if those figures match. I'm not that deep into it yet. But my point is, if the Kings are the only way the Kings could acquire Jalen Brown is by trading De'Aaron Fox, I would do that deal. I would absolutely do that deal. I like J- Jalen Brown that much. I think potentially a package of Fox and, and Harrison Barnes without giving up any picks might get you Jalen Brown and maybe a little sweetener, maybe a, a young player on top of that. No idea who that young player is. Maybe it's like a Romeo Langford. I have no clue. I have no idea who that guy is. But if that's a, a possible trade for the Kings, I would be aggressively pitching that to Brad Simmons uh, or, uh, to see if uh, Brad Simmons, Brad Stevens, excuse me, uh, to see uh, if if they'd be interested in that. I would love Jalen Brown here in a Kings uniform. I think he'd make a significant difference uh, for this Kings team. But that being said, Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald and picks, they're not getting you Jalen Brown. So like I said, you have to trade talent to get talent. As much as we want the Kings to move on from those two, especially Buddy Heald, you're not going to get a return like that. I was interested though to read, and uh, maybe not tremendously surprised, but disappointed to read from Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee Uh, that the Kings reportedly, according to sources that he has, are not interested in pursuing uh, Miles Turner or DeMontis Sabonis from the Indiana Pacers. And I just had um, Tony East from the Locked On Pacers podcast on uh, at the end of last week to talk about potential trades. And what I found out from that conversation, as well as just general conversations that I've had around the league, is that it would not cost the Kings an arm and a leg to get one of those guys, especially Miles Turner. But DeMontis Sabonis is the one that I've always had my eye on. I think it is possible for the Kings to acquire DeMontis Sabonis without trading away Fox or Halliburton. In fact, if 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 this report is that the, the Kings aren't interested in pursuing Sabonis because maybe they called about him and Indiana said, we're not trading him unless we're getting one of those two guys, and that's where the, the, the conversation ended, I'm actually okay with that. That information is probably never, ever going to come out. But if that's the situation, that's a scenario where I'm okay with it. But if the scenario is that Monty's just not interested or the Kings just aren't interested in Sabonis, I think that's foolish. Absolutely foolish. You're talking about a multi-time all-star. I know he's not the sexiest player on the planet. I know there would be concerns if you traded for him with how he fits alongside Rashawn Holmes. If that's the case, I love Rashawn. Rashawn takes the back seat because Sabonis probably comes here and is either the best player or very, very close second best behind De'Aaron. And even that seems questionable at this point in time. Like DeMontis Sabonis makes this Kings team better and you probably wouldn't have to trade away your two major pieces in order to acquire him. I think the Kings should absolutely be interested and if nothing else, start the conversation and be on the phone. I think it would be foolish not to. Miles Turner, I like the idea of Miles Turner from a defensive standpoint. How he fits next to Rashawn Holmes. Tony East seemed to think that it could work because Turner is capable of spacing the floor. I think he's shooting like 40% from three-point range, which is good, but... I, I see more concerns there. So as much as I like Miles Turner, I think he could help the team. I don't know if a Miles Turner acquisition, which you could probably get Miles Turner for Marvin and Buddy or Marvin and a pick or something like that. I have no idea. But I don't think that makes as big of a splash necessarily as DeMontis Sabonis does and certainly as much as Jalen Brown does. So if you have interest in any of those three guys, uh, if you're okay with the Kings not being interested in, in those two from the uh, Indiana Pacers, 
Um, also, according to Anderson, his report was that Ben Simmons is still in the crosshairs of the Kings. They're still interested in him. Um, so that's going to be something to follow as well as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts on that. I want to hear your thoughts. If you do want to talk about this Kings and Raptors game, be my guest. I will read and try and respond uh, to uh, as many tweets and emails and, and comments on YouTube. Uh, as I possibly can, if you want to uh, comment on the, uh, the the words of interim head coach Alvin Gentry and De'Aaron Fox that I played for you, send those to me at, well, as well at Matt George Sack on Twitter. Email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com, uh, and leave your uh, thoughts down in the comment section below on YouTube. Appreciate your support, as always. Again, if you need to take a break from the Kings, I understand. Try not to take a break from Lockdown Kings, though, because we have fun and this community gets through everything together. Um, regardless of what you do, I appreciate your support. Hopefully, if you're in the Sacramento area in California that's been peppered by rain and storms today, that you're you're safe and uh, you, you're okay and your family's okay. I appreciate you so, so, so much. Uh, and I can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Lockdown Kings. The Kings are coming home, and I don't know if things are going to get any better in this Golden One Center because if they play like they did during this road trip, fans are going to let them know whatever fans are, are left in the building truth be told uh, i appreciate your support as always we get closer and closer to christmas so if uh, i don't hear from you before then have a very merry christmas happy holidays stay safe again and i'll talk to you very soon my name is matt george you've been listening to locked on kings part of the locked on podcast network